Hello, and uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this. Uh, it'd be crazy if somebody across the world from a little old Stockton, California was listening to this, but, uh, but anyway, uh, my name is Henry Medina. Uh, a little bit about myself. I am a uh, University of the Pacific senior. I am a student. Um, I am a rap and hip-hop aficionado. Um, I may not be a part of the uh, black community, and I, some, that's a community I can never be a part of. Uh, I, myself, uh, am gender non-conforming. I am a Latina um, youth student. I don't know if 24 is still youthful nowadays. Um, I know I certainly feel old, like I crack a few bones, but anyway, uh, that's a bit about myself. Uh, today I will be talking about Tepepa Butterfly. Uh, the, the the history and the, the the all the knowledge and information that is compiled within four uh, huge tracks off of this album. Uh, we kick off with the Wesley's theory, then we go into the second track for free, the interlude. Then we talk. Uh, excuse me, so sorry. Okay, then we talk about how much a dollar cost, and to finish things off, we leave at Complexion, a Zulu Love featuring Rhapsody. This is an album that has a lot of history and, and nuance behind it. A lot of power, a lot of thought, a lot of knowledge into it, as I've already said. Um, Kendrick Lamar and his, uh, essentially his TDE camp, uh, that included the producers Soundwave and the recording engineer mixed by Ali. They pull from all areas of their life, uh, all um, advantages they that they know they have in their world, um, pulling from artists and producers and performers and uh, instruments, instrumentation from people who work with uh, with with the beginning of rap, with the the later stage, not the later stages, but with historical people in the areas of funk, of soul, of jazz, of of all all that is black culture, black art, and in other words, black excellence. Uh, I can only see it from the lens of somebody who is brown, of somebody who is Latina, um, but I believe that that adds just another angle to it, to this already layered uh, album and, and, and conversation that is... Uh, institutionalization, police brutality, uh, and just politics in modern day America. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this. Uh, I know I certainly have recording this and editing it and in post and doing all that, but thank you so much again and, uh, sit back, enjoy the ride. And let me just ramble on for a good 50 minutes, 55 minutes. So yeah, thank you so much, and let's get started. Everything following up to it, it's an album that came out in 2015, um, won an incredible amount of accolades. I believe it came to be the third best album on the top Hot 100 charts of that year. Um, 
It went up for countless Grammys for Album of the Year, Best Rap Album of the Year, Best Rap Performance uh, for All Right, which I believe it won. And it was also nominated for Song of the Year and Best Music of the Year. So you can already see how much impact it had in just the music world uh, itself. Um, online, Metacritic, uh, gave, I believe they had over 101 uh very very good reviews anthony fantano internet's busiest music nerd himself gave the album a perfect score it was just um it crossed so many genres and, and so many boundaries that you really couldn't just name it a rap album it had elements of soul of funk and most importantly in this podcast it had elements of blues and jazz and so, again, tip of a butterfly, to keep it short, one of the most, if not the most impactful album of at least my generation in the past 20 years, 30 years, ever since, uh, unfortunately, ever since Tupac himself passed away. I know uh, Kendrick has been very open about how inspired he is about Tupac. Uh, and everything that Tupac did uh, for rap and just social political awareness as well. His own mother was a Black Panther. I believe uh, Tupac himself was a member of the Communist Party, but we won't get into that, of course. But we can see that Kendrick has all these influences that he pulls from that he just makes his own and really throws them together in this beautiful chaotic mess that is To Pimp a Butterfly. So yeah, that is the intro for this album before I get on to the first track. The opener itself, you get to see, a, you get to get a taste of what Kendrick and honestly the rest of his crew that he has put together with uh, TDE, which includes Soundwave and Mixed by Ali, which are in-house producers and engineers that work very closely with Kendrick and the rest of the TDE uh, squad essentially with the likes of Absol, J-Rock, SZA, Isaiah Rashad, and now Zachary and Reason and uh, anybody else who's going to come through that team. Um, we start to see on the track we have features like George Clinton uh, who he himself is somebody who's very active in the music space. He's a, 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 a Grammy nominated artist. He's worked with the likes of Parliament and Funkadelic. Um, he's very into the uh, the the funk side of 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 the scene, and so he's worked with all kinds of people. He's been around since uh, since God knows when. Worked worked with people like Outkast, with Tupac, and so for him to work with Kendrick Lamar, it's it's something very powerful. He he really knows what he's doing. He knows his stuff. He, has, he pulls from various different sounds, just like how Lamar does with with his own music. Uh, I believe his upcoming project, he said, was more rock-influenced. Um, apart from George Clinton, we get the likes of Thundercat. These are people we see throughout the entire album. Um, Lamar really, really does work with them, and I, I, I love these people's music, especially Thundercat. Um, Thundercat himself is a, a singer-songwriter from LA as well. Uh, he started off in the thrasher scene, which you don't uh, really see too many people of color being uplifted by, at least back in the day. And nowadays, it's a bit more different. Uh, he's worked with people, obviously, like with Kendrick Lamar, Travis Scott, 
Childish Gambino, uh, Flying Lotus, who's another producer you see a lot of the times here. And so Kendrick really knows how to use his, his, his own connections and really tries to, like I said, get every piece of his life together that he knows in order to create this, this conceptual and honestly pretty experimental album. Um, there's nothing more I can really say apart from this from this track in terms of producers. So I'll move on to the, I mean, in terms of those who are featured, those who produced, help produce the track include the likes of, the likes of uh, Flying Lotus, who I mentioned before, very into experimental R&B, hip hop, those kinds of tracks. Uh, Soundwave, another TDE in-house producer, Thundercat. Not only does vocals, but he does do the producing side as well. And uh, also Ronnie Flippa-Colson, sorry. Um, he's somebody who's a producer who works with Flying Lotus, Kendrick Lamar. He's worked with the lights of Rihanna, Usher, uh, y, uh, YBN Corday recently dropped the YBN. He's Corday now. He does more, uh, he's like the J. Cole side, very into the political movements. He's worked with her, H-E-R, all capital letters. She's very into the uh, political movement and the, the the Black Lives Matter movement. He's worked as well with Big Sean and, and J-Rock, who is also in TDE and does the song uh, Money Trees Deuce, where J-Rock talks about his issues with, with poverty and trying to make it out of his own environment, while uh, also obviously staying staying in check with himself, trying to keep, him, keep himself in check. That way... Uh, you know, nothing happens to him because he knows, like Lamar, he knows that with his position of power, he has a lot of people watching his back, not just people, but also the government, which is also uh, what Kendrick Lamar talks about on this album, how, how like with Wesley's theory, a lot of black and brown people are, like myself, are raised in this, in this community, in this world told to be rich we see flashing images of gold chains and money on the screen but when it comes to our own public education and coming up in the world we're not really taught financial literacy which was something that wesley snipes himself whether you agree with him or not he tried to get out of uh, tax evasion essentially because he claimed that the government and the system did not teach him well enough how to uh, be financially literate, how to save his money. And like I said, you can agree with him, you can disagree with him. That's that's uh, to each their own. But, but yeah, so just with the people he pulls apart, he you really do get a sense of what Kendrick is trying to go for. And last but not least, somebody you're going to see a lot on this album, uh, who funnily enough is... A worker or worked on the album that the track samples uh, we'll move on to the sample obviously and um, because this album is very black and afrocentric and <laughs> and admittedly I am part of the uh, Latina community and um, th there are issues with with colorism in my own community and all that type of stuff so uh, obviously to be respectful and to, to know to not walk on any uh, toes or ground that I am not supposed to be on. Uh, the n-word will obviously be uh, said as an expletive. Uh, I will not be saying it. I do not condone it. I do not use it myself. So yeah, um, <laughs> sorry about that. 
So the track that is sampled is Every Expletive is a Star by Boris Gardiner. And Boris himself is somebody who appears repeatedly on the album as a producer, as a vocalist, or just as a, essentially a helper with the album. Uh, the track came back, came back, came out back in 1973 out of a Jamaican movie of the same name. And uh, in this movie itself, when you look it up on IMDb, what it says is that it's a man who returns to his home of Jamaica from Journey. Along the way, he meets up with the famous reggae band of the time. And while this may not be blues or jazz, we know that in blues and jazz, the music is all about black struggle and black plight. What is reggae? Essentially the same thing. Obviously not same music and melody wise or even instrument wise, but it has that same tone, that same element that really ties them in together. And so you see this, you see the connections between the movie, the track, the track that's sampled and the track that uses that sample. They all have ties. And to those who say that reggae is not a political active music, that it's just relaxed and that it's just used for stoners who want to use an excuse to smoke 420 or any other day. It's you. If you really are to read uh, the poster child of reggae, Bob Marley himself, you, 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 you hear the songs, you read the words, and it's very politically charged just because the man was calm and in tune with himself, like Martin Luther King, just because they are calm people does not mean the words they are expressing, the words, the phrases they are using, does not mean that the, they themselves are calm or not um, politically or violently charged. These are people who are very wise, who knew what they were talking about, which is why so many people were against them when they were alive. So yeah, that that itself is is Wesley's theory. That is the first track off the album. There, I can go on about this all day, but to not bore you to death, I will be keeping it short. And so yeah, that's that's Wesley's theory. Home, just from the first track. You see uh, Kendrick himself rapping in the second verse um, from the perspective of the American government to, I guess, to Kendrick or just to the black community in general. He starts off with what you want, a house, a car, 40 acres, and a mule, a piano, a guitar, anything, see my name is Uncle Sam, I'm your dog. You can live at the mall. These. These are the things that Kendrick Lamar lists are essentially things that are um, compiled onto black and brown communities. Like, what do you want land? Do you want cars? Do you want uh, nice things? Materialistic stuff, which is what Uncle Sam, obviously a straight metaphor for the United States or just American values and ways of thinking. These are things that are taught to you from very young liking gold chains, liking uh, the newest shoes, liking the newest, fastest cars. Um, while some may claim that the black and brown communities are the ones upholding these values, this simply cannot be true or it is not the full story. Uh, who are the ones who control the, the, the media companies, the label companies that uplift these artists, who choose who to uplift and who to promote more? 
I mean, we saw it uh, years ago, but very recently with Drake and his album Scorpion, although Drake himself is a black artist in a black art form, which is rap and R&B. Um, we saw that his name and his album was put across plethoras of genres that he obviously did not fit in. He did not himself put in, put his music or his art there. But Spotify, the people at the top, or even Apple Music, who he cuts deals with on the regular, um, really promote the absolute F-U-C-K out of him. And artists like him that are incredibly marketable. But you get people who Kendrick Lamar even shouts out on this album, like um, I believe it's one half of Run the Jewels, uh, Killer Mike. Or you don't see these le- these media companies promoting uh, conceptual or really think thought provocative albums or artists like Immortal Technique or just promoting the drug side of certain artists like Migos who have sto- who have tracks that tell stories about their own lives and their own struggles, but you only hear the songs that the labels want you to hear, like. Um, like walk it like i talk it or like bad and bougie which itself has own traces back to uh, black and brown struggle with materialism with things like that so the first album uh, just a trip it's incredible it's so packed and it has a lot of nuance to it if you really read the lyrics you are you are opening your eyes and your mind to a world of things So that's where I'll leave it for the first track and we'll just move on. And so going off of the first track, Wesley's Theory, we're then greeted by the second track, obviously, uh, for free, the interlude uh, into the third track, King Kunta, uh, which I believe we won't be going over today. Anyway, um... For free, it's one of those songs that you really have to, if if I meant it for Wesley's theory, where you really have to read it, I am doubling down, if not tripling down, with that same sentiment on For Free. Um, I remember first hearing this track, uh, I was 17, 18 at the time, uh, fairly, obviously, uneducated, I still hadn't gone out into the world, and from my first impression, I and many others like myself uh, went off of the the uh, whatever Kendrick gives you from the jump, and you're really made to believe, or at least from from the start, you're made to believe that this song is about um, how black and brown men have been going through the system, um, how when they uh, have to pay child support for proper or improper reasons, uh, they are essentially stolen from. Uh, because of the um, amounts they have to pay to the mothers of their children. Um, We see this with lines at the beginning uh, that imply the woman he is buying these things for is not appreciative of them. Uh, A woman at the start, uh, because Kendrick isn't the start of the track, you hear uh, another woman called Darlene Tibbs. She goes, "Um, I don't know why you're trying to go big. And, and shit, excuse my language, 
walking around like you're God's gift to earth. You haven't even bought me an outfit for the 4th, the 4th of July. I need that Brazilian wavy 28 inch, the wig obviously. So you're made to assume that the song is about a woman or women in general. But as I said, you have to look into it. Looking into it, reading Kendrick Lamar's own words, you start to see that he's talking about something else, something much deeper than just looking at the lives of men and women. He's looking at society and just government in general. He he goes with the following lines of, uh, do you really think we could make a baby named Mercedes without a Mercedes Benz and 24 inch rims, 5% tint and air conditioning vents? Hell no. And again, like in Wesley's theory, he says, I need 40 acres and a mule, not 40 ounce and a pit bull. It's bullshit. Had the door knock and let him in. Who's that? And he goes, my work isn't free. The, the name of the track for free with a crush, with a question mark. And so you see that he, he's really talking about political and, and societal things. Again, later on in the track, he says, Pension, more pension, your pension, my percents. And he goes, uh, what else does he say? He ends off the track with, Oh, America, you bad bitch, I picked cotton and made you rich. Now my dick ain't free. And so, just to really drive it home, if that wasn't enough for you, Darlene Tibbs, the same woman from the beginning who we are implied the song, we are implied to believe that the song is about, goes, I'm gonna get my Uncle Sam to fuck you up. You're not a king. And what this really says is that the United States uh, is using propaganda such as Uncle Sam or the military, which Uncle Sam is connected to, to really put down black and brown men and women and make them believe that they are lesser than that they did not come from royalty because as we all know uh, black and black and brown men from Africa black and brown men and women from Africa obviously were kings and queens they were scientists they were architects myself uh, los aztecas los mayas los incas we were also architects we were masters of science we are masters of our world of the natural and applied sciences and when we look at history uh, through the through the lens of the white man or the proper education system, at least for myself coming up, we were taught to praise the Spanish and their missions and their religion, Catholicism, obviously. And we're not taught about black or brown figures unless they are pacifists, such as Cesar Chavez and MLK, who both have their own intricacies in, in history and whatnot. But to focus back on the song, you really do see that um, this album, again, I, I don't know how many times I can say it, it's jam-packed, a lot to talk about, and so yeah, I'll get on with the, uh, with the credits. So to tie this all back into blues and jazz, because again, this is what this is all really about, this is what the project is all about, why I even started doing this in the first place. Um, I guess for starters, this is Kendrick Lamar's favorite song. He has said it himself. He was tweeted at during a Q&A asking what his favorite song off the album was. And he goes, for free. 
that's it plain and simple that was back in 2015 so that was fresh off of the album anyway we start off seeing that he samples uh, or at least references a track called tramp by otis redding otis redding is somebody who i mean at this point does he really need that much introduction um He's somebody who passed away at an early age, 26, singer, songwriter, record producer, talent scout, you name it, he was that. Considered one of the greatest artists, singers of his time, of all, of all time. Um, Kanye and Jay-Z reference him on their track, Otis. Um, his songs are constantly uh, sampled and looped by, by the rap and hip-hop community. He's just, he just has that much power, you know. He's just—he's just that guy. Uh, for 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 my Mexican listeners out there, he's essentially like—I mean, obviously it's not straight comparison, but he would be like our version of Vicente Fernandez. He's just that impactful. In that song, it's also a, a song where a girl is dissing the artist, like with Kendrick and um, and with Darlene Tibbs where Darlene is made to diss Kendrick, obviously from the perspective of the American government. And so continuing from that, there is actually an article or an interview with Robert Glasper, also another huge figure we're going to see along the way, a pianist for the song. They, they ask him, um, what, what happened during these recordings? And so Robert at one point says, I was actually thinking of it like he was a saxophone player, like the way he was rapping on the track. Not like a singer or an MC, but literally like a saxophone player. It was like some jazz shit, so it was dope, and he said, hey, do this. Uh, Robert himself continues, I didn't want to do too much because I wanted his voice to be heard. And so Kendrick, you can see that he's almost like a, a, a composer, like a modern day... Um, modern day, his name escapes me, almost like a Bach. That's not who I was going for, but we'll say like a, like a Bach. Like a Mozart, like a young Mozart. Well, Mozart himself was very young, so like a Mozart. And we see that, that Kendrick is really trying to compose this album in the way that he wants to. He really wants to drive home this message of, of black plight, black struggle through, through the lens or through the varied lens that he's pulling all of his knowledge from from the way he raps onto it it's a very off-kilter fast-paced jazz type of flow from the samples he uses otis how much i mean how much more soul and jazz can you get with otis redding robert glasper huge pianist who's worked with the lights of denzel curry experimental hip-hop artist with Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, I cannot believe I said that, experimental hip-hop artist who who works with people in, in rock, in jazz, in blues, in funk. I mean, you, you tell Kendrick to do something for you, he will do everything in his power to pull apart for it, as long as he sees fit. So just speaking of this track and the two others, is it's there's just so much to it that I'm even having to leave out for time purposes. The last person that I'll talk about that helped produce and write this album is uh, actually somebody you're going to see a lot on this album. He's called Terrace Martin. 
he started off as a rapper and a producer, but it seems like he likes taking the, uh, he likes going on the back burner now. I'm not going to speak for him. He's somebody who has written and produced tracks for the likes of Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes, obviously Kendrick Lamar, uh, people like Travis Scott. So you know that he's been able to pull apart from a lot of people like who? Like Kendrick Lamar. It really seems that Kendrick on this project and many others tries to get a lot of free thinking people like himself because he knows that he'll have to pull apart from so many different areas of his own life because he he, he himself is born out of uh, free uh, situations like that. His own parents are from uh, from Chicago. So he himself is not really rooted in Compton where uh, he wraps this album's perspective from. He's pulling from Chicago. He's pulling from his own grandparents and great-grandparents who were probably uh, slaves themselves, unfortunately. And so that itself is rooted in, in gospel and in jazz and in blues. So it's really incredible how he was able to pull in from all those areas of his life to create a cohesive uh, sound, a cohesive album. Uh, so yeah, that that's my uh, that's my word on the the second track for free. It's probably my favorite track off the album as well, and it's just incredible. You have to listen to it for yourself and really digest it. And I highly recommend watching the music video. The music video just makes everything make sense. So yeah, that's for free, and I'll catch you on the next track. And so from track two for free, the interlude, we jump all the way kind of to the end of the middle of uh, the album. We go to track 11, How Much a Dollar Cost. This is an, this is a incredibly impactful track. I know I've said that <laughs> for the other two tracks and I'm gonna say that for the entire album. But this track, it's, I would consider it a slower track, one that you really, you can't party to. You have to sit down, digest it, and then see what you picked up from it. Because if you've only picked up one or two things, or one or two metaphors that might have flown over your head, you clearly did not listen to this track. Um, it's one where Kendrick talks about uh, maybe a personal event, uh, I don't remember very well, sorry, or a just alludes to an event that can happen to anybody where he encounters a homeless man uh, in the depths of South Africa, which is why I believe this is a story that happened to him. Uh, I think he tells this interview to MTV, uh, now that I'm mentioning it, where he explains to the interviewer that this actually happened to him. And so as I was saying before, he has his experience with a homeless man in South Africa who um, is begging him for a dollar. Uh, not even just a dollar, just begging him for his attention, for his time. And Kendrick refuses. He says... This dollar, I fought for it, I worked for it. It is my dollar. My time is valuable. Obviously, as an artist, as a celebrity, a lot of people are going to want to meet with him. So he's very cautious and wary of this, understandably. But the, uh, the, the homeless man persists, 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 even after Kendrick goes into his car. And eventually, Kendrick gives in and says, eventually, essentially, what the hell do you want? 
and he goes, my son, you need to realize that I am the man of God. I am God himself. Um, God sent me here to speak with you, to keep you on the righteous path. Because in the album, uh, in the track that I had to skip over for time's sake for sale, we encounter a, a moment where, where Kendrick meets essentially with the devil. And the devil, or Lucy as he refers to him in the album, Lucy is attempting to, to retain his soul, to keep him from the word of God, from, keep, from keeping him on the righteous path in order to go against his own morals and values. So that's that's something that's truly incredible in this album and that Kendrick at such a young age, because I believe he was in his mid to early 20s at this time to have such competency, such intellectualism, to be so in tune with himself, to not only keep away from strangers, but also intake their, their, their words and their information and really self-evaluate himself almost the way i see myself I, I i see everybody in my life that i encounter as a mentor whether good or bad i'm going to learn something from you and i feel that kendrick almost has the same mentality where he no matter who he sees no matter who encounter with, encounters with no matter who he talks to he is listening to you grasping that information and really taking it in to reevaluate his own morals if he has to. So yeah, that is, that is the uh, a short description of how much a dollar costs. So I'm going to go into the uh, the details with the sampling, if there is any, or with just what he talks about in the track. So again, like with the rest of this album, everything that preceded it, everything that happened in this track and everything that will come after this track. Kendrick pulls from all areas of his life. He calls through essentially the one half of the Isley brothers, Ronald Isley. Um, he's known for his, obviously his record producing, his uh, songwriting. Uh, he was an actor as well. Uh, and he obviously a lead singer of his group and a founding member of it. I mean, his last name is on the group's name, for, for, for God's sake. He also uh, brings in James Fauntleroy, James Edward Fauntleroy II. He is somebody who has worked with um, impactful hip-hop and, and rap artists, male or female. Social advocates as well. People who really stand for something. Uh, we see him on tracks with uh, working with Vince Staples. He's an advocate for Long Beach and for the youth there. Uh, he works with SZA, somebody from the TDE camp, but who's also very into spirituality and female empowerment. Frank Ocean, he's worked with him, somebody who's part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, he's worked on the album Born Sinner with J. Cole, huge social activist. We should know this by now. Beyonce as well uh, on on the project girls love beyonce beyonce huge huge advocate for black women i mean we saw her performance at the super bowl where she and her other performers were, were addressed in homage to the black panther party and he's she he's also worked with people like nipsey hustle like how much more politically charged can you be and can you be surrounding yourself with that is something that it's like Kendrick has an eye and a nose for it. He just, if you're into that, he's going to pull from you. 
So to move on, a producer of the track, uh, somebody I did not know the name of, Love Dragon, that is a group consisting of two people. Who does it include? Joseph Limeberg and Terrace Martin. Remember me mentioning Terrace Martin before? Producer, songwriter. So he's really in the back, in the lab, creating this concept album with Kendrick Lamar. And the track is written by Ronald Isley, Terrace Martin, Joseph Lambert, Kendrick Lamar, James Fauntleroy, and Rose McKinney, who is Terrace Martin's mother. That is somebody who's been confirmed uh, to be Terrace Martin's mother. So he really just has his knowledge, just this black knowledge, black intellectualism, riding behind him, hoping he really creates the perfect album. And obviously for other albums this wouldn't be as important but he gets specific people for specific instruments we see constantly um joseph Lineberg on the trumpets terrace martin on the saxophones the keyboards uh, we see people like molly rogers and andrea witt on the viola people on the trombone every single thing every instrument that goes into this track or the album kendrick has somebody for it and um there is one sample on this track uh, usually every track has one or two but this time around it's a uh, overture by by funnily enough average white band it's uh one that was released back in 76 by arif martin um he is uh, somebody who's worked with the likes of aretha franklin uh, he's worked in broadway he's worked with hollow notes so he's been around for a while and he just He's just this beacon of knowledge, and I'm sure he brought so much to this track as well. I mean, one of the more impactful tracks, so I I can't speak any more highly of it. So yeah, that is, uh, excuse me, that is How Much a Dollar Cost by Kendrick Lamar. That's uh, all, essentially, <laughs> by Kendrick Lamar and, and his cast and crew. So yeah, uh, with that, we'll be moving on to... The 12th and next track, Complexion, parentheses, Azul Love. And so to leave us off on our last stop at least, because the album itself, uh, I believe, has four more tracks. Uh, yeah, it's Blacker the Berry, You Ain't Gotta Lie, I, the album version. Um, you should definitely check out if you've only listened to the radio version or the version that uh, isn't on Spotify and Apple Music. And also Mortal Man, uh, where he has a conversation with Tupac, a mock interview almost. Uh, but right now we're focus on, focusing on our last imaginary train stop, Complexion, Azulu Love. And this is the one that really got me into writing, that really got me into loving rap and hip-hop as a genre. Because um, in the early 2012s, as a teenager, early 2012s, early 2010s, as a teenager, you really saw this huge influx of just rap about partying and, and, and sex and drugs the things that really uh, turn people off from hip-hop the things that really turn people off from hip-hop um, obviously I was 12 to 15 at the time pretty ignorant about it there's a huge amount of rap artists out there who do the exact same thing that Kendrick does sometimes even better admittedly uh, Kendrick just has that commercial appeal. He really knows how to uh, bring it home to the masses. But anyway, moving on, uh, the song Complexion. 
it's as it sounds it's about colorism in, in the black community which is something i can relate to in, in the latina community the mexican community uh, there's a lot of issues of colorism uh, we see people who are uh, more closer to european or, or white skin tones being put at the forefront of uh, not just political movements but businesses uh, of a uh, of of anywhere you go really i guess what really matters in this country is is business and profit so at the forefront of whatever is there it's somebody who is of, of lighter skin tones and the really beautiful thing about this track what really brought it home for me at least and for other people i would say is the inclusion of uh the female rapper i i even feel bad putting that label onto her because obviously at the end of the day she is a woman she she is she is female uh, uh, obviously with what she has said herself i'm not going to speak for her but as a rapper who just happens to be female he brought the best he brought if he is the pistol she is the cannon the bazooka really kills the whole performance she goes on to say how she didn't like her own skin tone up until the age of 12 um, how she had now has learned to love herself to love her skin tone her her darker brothers and sisters um, and she even says it herself in the track she says yeah i'm conscious ain't no contest if you like it i love it all your earth toast earth tones have been blessed he says i'm not talking jay as in jay-z I'm not taking talking Bay as in Beyonce, and she goes on to mention things that she remembers from her youth, uh, that she believes over really epitomizes her own darker and skin tone and, and black culture. She says, "I'm talking days we got school watching movie screens, spiking your self esteem, and then proclaims the new James Bond Bond is gonna be as black as me, black as brown hazelnut cinnamon black tea." And it's all beautiful to me. And what really, I say this a lot, what really brings this home, again, she says, call your brothers magnificent, call all the sisters queens. We're all on the same team, blues and pyros, no colors ain't a thing. So what her and Kendrick do, instead of just relating it to uh, earth tones and, and their own skin color, they relate it back to the areas in which they come from. The five over colors uh, maybe not black brown and white obviously not with themselves with police and, and with the government and all that type of stuff but they fight gang wars or, or their relatives or people they know fight these wars essentially you know because the amount of casualties we see it's essentially a war that the government itself lets happen but anyway we see that they fight over colors blues and pyrus bloods and crips they fight over red and blue and you and you have all your other gangs that have other colors but these are the main two that are talked throughout the album as well so for them to to not only be accepting of their own colors their own skin tone but to be accepting of the circumstances they came from is something that is truly incredible and takes a lot to to digest and to take in and to put onto song as well especially in the tone that they bring it in because it's not your typical uh, 80s, 70s, hippity-hop tone. Uh, it's not simple cadence. It's not simple metaphors. It's almost like if you're uh, 
listening to a, a, a free-form jazz performance or, or a speech, the way they, they really write their words, like if they were essays, like if they were uh, verses, well, obviously they're verses, but like Bible verses. It's truly incredible the, the amount of, of, of passion and, um, and metaphors that are put into all of these lyrics. You can tell they really tried to uh, make sure that their word was correct and that every single word, phrase, and syllable came from the heart and really mattered. So yeah, that's talking about the track. So to really send us packing home, to really, I'm gonna say it again, to really bring it home, we get another influx of the same people we've been seeing throughout this album. We see Soundwave, the in-house TDE producer, Thundercat, Kendrick Lamar's friend, uh, who, as I said, has worked with various types of people, numerous types of people, Terrace Martin, again, and we get another inclusion for the producing and the, uh, excuse me, we get someone called, comes from, he's someone, he's someone who comes from the TDE camp uh, due to his closeness uh, with Isaiah Rashad, SZA, and J-Rock. So it only makes sense that he worked with Kendrick uh, at some point on the album. Maybe not this song, but just the album. And uh, somebody knew we get a DJ, actually. We get DJ Pete Rock. Uh, Pete Rock is on uh, the scratches for this song. And he's a producer, DJ, and, and basically another artist that comes from the Bronx, from New York, another home of of black and brown political and social activism. Uh, he comes from the group uh, from uh, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, that's that's their name, but you know, that's who he works with, CL Smooth. He's worked with the likes of Nas, AZ with Method Man, with, uh, with Common, with Jay-Z, Kanye West, and Run DMC, a plethora of people who were not just involved in the black musical and art, artistic side of things, but just in the social activist and political side of things as well. So that's great to see that, that, that Kendrick was able to include somebody as, as historic and as knowledgeable of him onto a, a track or an album like this. And so, yeah, I mean, who else does he have on here? He includes uh, people people like, uh, like Joseph Leinberg again. He gets Robert Glasper again on the keys. He gets Terrace Martin on the keys. And he does have one sample on the track, but it is the Thundercats track. It's one called We'll Die that was released back in 2013. It's a track called We'll Die, released back in 2013, produced by who? Flying Lotus. And this song that he, that he samples is, 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 is one where he, um, he kind of talks about his own uh, life, his shortness of it, because the track is very short. He just goes about how we're all going to die one day. Nothing lasts forever. Just do your best. None of this matters. So to get that, I guess, <laughs> pretty blunt, but, but really real way of speaking, to get that onto Complexion, which is a very in-your-face but still solemn track, is, is incredible that that Thundercat was just able to bring that energy onto that song. 
Um, there's nothing more I can I can really say about this track. So to go into the uh, the verses, uh, Kendrick starts off his first couple of verses saying, "Dark as the midnight hour, or as bright as the morning sun." Give a fuck about your complexion. I know what the Germans done. So again, that ties it back to Nazi Germany with the uh, the Third Reich. How they believed in that that pure power was whiteness, which obviously is not true. You're powerful no matter what skin tone you are. But if you're black or brown listening to this, you are powerful. You are loved. You are you are descendant of the first people on this earth. So I'll, I'll leave you with that and you do with that what you wish. That is not to say that my white compatriots are, are not alongside with us or with me, but obviously there are just different experiences you will never have as somebody of a lighter skin tone. So, yeah. And so when Rhapsody comes in, it's just, it's just a breath of fresh air. Not to say that we're tired of Kendrick, but to get a black woman's perspective onto a track as powerful. <laughs> Rhapsody herself says, keep your head up. When did you stop loving thy color of your skin, color of your eyes? That's the real blues. Uh, that's the real blues baby like you met Jay's baby. Jay-Z, his baby's called Blue Ivy. When you say, when you tell the real blues, you're telling your real pain, your real sorrow. And that implies that one's color of skin one color one's color of eyes can be one's own demise and reasoning for your sadness when it shouldn't be and so she begins to say you blew me away you think you think more beauty in blue green and gray it's like how are you not going to love your own skin tone your own eye color just because it is not what you are told to believe is beautiful I mean, we see this with the uh, the selling of Barbies, at least back in the day, not as much now, but with Cabbage Patch Kids and Barbies, kids are grown up to believe that the white Barbie or the white baby is the, the normal or the neutral one, and the black or brown baby is actually an intrusion onto normalcy. So Rhapsody really does point that out in the beginning, first 10 lines of her, of her verse. And so she begins. She goes, yeah, I'm conscious. I said it before, ain't no contest. If you like it, I love it. All your earth tones been blessed. Like how, how, how much better can, can I even tell you this? Um, she says, light don't mean you're smart. Being dark don't make you stupid. And frame of mind for them bust us ain't talking woo-ha. Need a paradox for the paradox they tutored. So just, just that in general, she's just already telling you, just because you're of darker skin tone doesn't make you dumb. Um, we're going to need even more words, phrases, verses for the, for the pairs of doctors, engineers, philosophers that they are teaching in these education systems that they themselves are not pushing through or upholding because they just don't see that potential like they do with lighter or white students. So, to leave you guys off, this track is incredible. Um, yeah, this track's incredible. Nothing more I can say about it. 
you have to go listen to this song, you have to go listen to this album. I cannot recommend it more than enough. As a sociology student, ethnic studies student, uh, as a student of life, as a student of politics, as a student of people, this album really does open up your own perspective and gets you thinking about what you believe is right, what you believe is wrong, or what you don't even know in general. You really have to go at this album with an open mind and an open way of thinking to really digest it, to really understand it. So yeah, I'll leave you at that and we'll move on with the outro. So to leave you guys off, thank you so much for for listening to this, I mean, close to one hour podcast. I'm probably going to hit the one hour mark soon. Thank you so much for listening to this. This is the first time that I've ever done something like this. Um... I bought a a mic out at Best Buy for $130 when I went in with the intention of buying the the $60 or $80 one. So uh, hopefully this gets me a good grade. Um, I have already been planning about possibly starting a podcast uh, about maybe hip-hop or about uh, the city of Stockton where I'm from or just just about my my, own day-to-day things to not go crazy. and so if you like this and, and you want to see more, uh, I'll, I'll plug in my socials right now. Uh, my Twitter is uh, Pancho, P-A-N-C-H-O, 9980, 9980. Uh, my Instagram is R L underscore indecisive underscore again. Uh, shout out to Professor Dobbs who showed us the uh, book Arl's Dream. Uh, it's a, it's almost an homage to that character, Robert Johnson, how he disappeared for a period of time, six months, let's say, and then came back. Incredible artist, incredible instrument player. Uh, it, it's played a range of, he was it just did so many things, and people really thought he sold his soul to the devil. So, you know, and who wouldn't want to inspire to become so good that people think you didn't earn your way to it, that you had to sell your soul to do so? So, yeah, um, if you really like it, let me know um and yeah thank you so much again uh, i hope to be doing this again sometime soon and uh thank you for letting me just explain four tracks out i mean out of this album that's over an hour and almost 20 minutes long and i really just boiled down four of them into into one hour so imagine what what i or somebody else could do when speaking of this 18 track album that just i know it's an hour 20 long but you could really go on about it all day two days if you could uh, i know i definitely could i i've been talking about this album since it came out in 2015 and it's, it's been seven years so um yeah we're just waiting on that new kendrick lamar album uh, i know we had damn but let's go get another one we got that rock influence album that's coming out soon and hey maybe i, I, I might have my own music coming out uh, sometime in the next year or so 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 we'll see we'll see um but again thank you so much uh you guys have a great night uh, i'm gonna be editing this in the, in the lab and and then going out and knocking out because it's it's the end of the semester time to kick back so yeah again i don't want to tire you have a good night and i will catch you guys on the flip side see you